0: If I lose my sense of adulthood in my child's body, I won't be able to introduce the conversation anymore. And what a tragedy that would be! No need to keep a brave face, listeners. I know you're broken up on the inside. Hello, and welcome to The Conversation. I'm Hile Russell. And I'm Malik. There you are! Oh my God, how are you doing? I
1: am doing just fine, Heil, and I hope you are too.
0: (laughs) You know what? Honestly, aside from the state of the world and all the crises that are transpiring, both domestic and international, I'm feeling all right. I'm, I'm personally, I'm doing good i I'm hesitant to say good, but I feel good these days and I'm feeling good about what we're discussing on this episode because mm-hmm. we will be discussing the recent surprise accidental revelation of a rare game <laughs> we never actually knew was in any state of development, along with a piece of much needed context for another well-known game that was released at the end of the Nintendo Rare partnership it's a illuminating new understanding of what was happening behind the scenes at Rare in early 1998 which i argue from what we now know was one of the most pivotal moments in time for the DKU and we will look at how it was at one time far more cohesive than the loosely acknowledged final product we ended up with and we are still living with in some form or fashion today. Now, this is the kind of arcane rare history and Donkey Kong history that I live for. And I am so fortunate to be graced by the presence of the Cartoon Gamer to help make sense of the Mickey Mouse connection to all of it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I'll do my best, Hyle.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's great to be great for you to be here. It's great for me to be here. It's great for our patrons listening and the live stream to be here. Hello, Freezer, once again. Hello, March Hello, Rose. Hello, Freezer. March Rose, 2011. This is a new era. of DK Vine Malik. I don't know if you've heard, but I am doing DK oh, Vine. I have. Yeah, full time <laughs> now. Um, I'm hard at work from when I... Clock in in the morning, clocking in is is when I started thinking about TT. That's what I refer to it as. I clock in in the morning and I, I clock out sometimes early evening, six or seven. Sometimes I burn the midnight oil, but I'm at it every day. Uh, trying to give myself, you know, that that balance, I haven't really stumbled upon it yet, and then when news breaks, all of a sudden that completely upends what you had planned for that day, like I I had my Wednesday sorted out, or so I thought, and then right when I was about to clock in, start thinking about TT, uh, they announced that Diddy Kong and Funky Kong will be coming to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on November 9th, so... I had to chase that for a while. But it's great. It's great. I I love it. I, I love my life. I love what I'm doing. And I've got a lot of big plans in the works for DK Vine in the weeks and months to come. And if you want to support independent Donkey Kong journalism, please think about supporting us on Patreon. Patreon is how I'm paying the bills right now. It's how this whole enterprise is justified. It's how I'm doing it. It would have been unthinkable. A scant 10 years ago to be a full-time donkey kong journalist but here i am it's great and patreon is, is what makes it happen but we we need our patrons and and i definitely need more to make this a viable operation so please please if you enjoy the conversation if you like having a constant stream of donkey kong rare and platonic news every week then Go to DKVine.com forward slash Patreon. Just fling a buck our way a month. It doesn't have to be much. Um, but the, the more people do it, the more financially set DK Vine is for the future. Of course, following us on Twitch also helps because we get Twitch ad revenue and people complain about the ads. And I completely understand. But at the same time, <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not a fancy pants, big city billionaire, Malik. I don't wear a monocle. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm this close to wearing, um, you know, a barrel and and nothing but you know, like like the old timey, the old timey poor folk in cartoons. I'm that close. And yes, it's because I love barrels, but all the same, I was just about to say, yeah, and they're they're pretty uncomfortable if that's all you've got on. So I prefer not to. <laughs> but not uh, sure. yeah, f- following us on Twitch, we got a lot of cool Twitch streams coming up. Um, We're really going to diversify our portfolio, as the cool kids say, on Twitch. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will be streaming Diddy and Funky Kong in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe the day of... um... I, or, or the day after they're live, because I don't know they they'll go up at night probably. So so the next morning or whatever, I will be streaming them, giving you my first direct thoughts on them, even before the conversation. So that that should be fun. I'll I'll be at that for a good part of the day, and you know we we've got some regularly scheduled programming, um, new series, what have you coming up. So just just stay tuned to us on Twitch, Twitch.tv/dkvine, and another way you can support the site. And independent Donkey Kong journalism is wearing our merchandise or maybe even drinking out of it because we have new merchandise for November at DKVine.com forward slash merchandise or just finding us on Public. We have our new Big Ape City collection that just went live on Friday that includes T-shirts celebrating the stomping grounds of young Cranky as seen in Donkey Kong Land. But we also have the coffee mug, and we have the uh, to-go traveling coffee tumbler as well. So if you are entering the colder months of the year, if you're above the equator, then uh, you can take your warm beverage uh, either at home or to-go out of the helpful mouth of DK Vine So check us out there. And Malik, before we really Mm -hmm. crack into this, I would be a poor co-host and an even poorer friend if I didn't let you plug the Cartoon Gamer. Because, oh my god, I adored that video you did on the Donkey Kong Country cartoon show. It was a nice piece with the (laughs) episode we did a month or two back when you were on the conversation. And we discussed my changing attitudes Towards the cartoon, where I'm still not a fan, but I've learned how to tolerate it, and I did a lot more than tolerate your video. I enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> I'm glad. If, without getting too deep into it, what what did you personally like best? Because I'm I'm legit curious.
0: Your enthusiasm and, and the <laughs> insight you were able to provide on something that I. Spent most of my life reviling and telling other people to feel bad about. It was a, it was a refreshingly <laughs> earnest look at something that I've kept at arm's length for uh, <laughs> far too long. And, and I'm going to keep keeping it at arm's length. I'm not going to give it a yeah. warm hug or embrace, but, you know, you know, I'll let bygones be bygones.
1: Yeah, well, that's nice. But, uh, yeah, if uh, if any of you guys haven't seen that video, you can check it out at my channel where... I talk about whatever tickles my fancy and uh, in the middle of a Donkey Kong marathon. And uh, yeah, it should be good. I don't know if the Donkey Kong video is going to be next, but uh, there's going to be more stuff.
0: (laughs) Either way, (laughs) either way, you should subscribe to him on YouTube, because then you will be notified when the Donkey Kong video is ready. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: It's going to be great.
0: (laughs) Well, Malik, it's always great for you to join me here in the conversation studio. And um, <laughs> don't laugh. Studio.
1: You just said you were poor. Yeah, <laughs> there is no studio.
0: I mean, it's a, it's a studio <laughs> in our heart, right? It's it's an expansive, yeah, yeah. state-of-the-art space in the mind's eye, in the brain space, in the in the mental yeah. palace. But I I I want to forget about our current lives. I want to rewind time. I I want to go back through the calendar pages, back to early 1998. Diddy Kong Racing. Diddy Kong Racing cartridges, they were still warm and snug in Nintendo 64s worldwide. Now, Diddy Kong Racing, it was a record-breaking release. It was a game that essentially came out of nowhere. The the closest equivalent to what today would be considered a shadow drop. But it was just effectively announced. And then within a month or two, it was in stores. And came out of nowhere from Rare. It's kind of a mea culpa for the delay of Banjo-Kazooie. Because Banjo-Kazooie, as we've extensively covered here on the conversation, was the game (laughs) they had originally promised to Nintendo to serve as their big holiday 1997 release. But when that had to be pushed to later in 1998, ultimately June, Nintendo was left empty-handed at a very rough time for their still young console. And luckily, Rare had this game, Diddy Kong Racing, or Pro-Am 64, as it was known at the time, almost ready to go, almost in a finished state. And it was wonderful! It was innovative, it was superficially like Mario Kart 64, yeah, but it felt like it was dialed into the philosophies of Rare and was able to layer in a story, a structure, and a style of play that have still only really been seen in very faint echoes in the Mario Kart series itself some 26 years Mm -hmm. later.
1: (laughs) And it was yeah, also... They just steal stuff every now and again. Just, you know, water flying through planes. Yeah, they think it's so great.
0: Yeah, they think they think it's the greatest <laughs> thing they've ever seen. Oh, you can momentarily glide in a Mario Kart game now. Whoa. It's a yeah. big whoop. <laughs> we were flying through dinosaur legs in nineteen ninety seven. Mm-hmm. But it was also, in in addition to all of that a clever bit of recontextualization on the part of Rare as to their upcoming library. Because Rare used Diddy Kong Racing as a backdoor pilot, so to speak, for both Banjo-Kazooie and the upcoming Conker's Quest, framing the characters as rooted firmly in Diddy Kong's pre-existing world the Rare Archipelago. And that got fans of Donkey Kong Country and Diddy Kong Racing, I'm raising my hand here, primed, (laughs) ready, and hyped for Banjo-Kazooie, which was a game that the original Donkey Kong Country team at Rare was doing in partnership with Nintendo. And Conquer, which was a game Rare was angling to be uh, their own self-owned IP, they were, they were self-publishing Conquer. It was going to be something they owned a larger stake in. And maybe even their plans were to have Conquer be sort of Rare's own mascot, their, their platforming mascot in that era where everyone had to have a mascot just like Mario or just like Sonic. And and I, mm-hmm. I, I really feel like that was Rare's initial intention for Conquer. But, of course, things changed with that character just a little bit, so...
1: Just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. But Diddy Kong Racing was kind of the the ground zero of becoming a Donkey Kong fan to a Rare fan. You know, it it, it was the game that really opened up more of their library to me, by having it be this sneaky little way to make me think that Banjo-Kazooie and Conker were Donkey Kong spinoffs. <laughs> so, <laughs> I I greatly, greatly appreciate everything Diddy Kong Racing has done for me in my life. And I, I probably wouldn't be here 26 years later talking about it on, like, the 500th podcast I've done on the DKU. So... Uh, thank you, Diddy Kong Racing. You you mean everything in the world to me. I love you. I love you so much. I love it too. <laughs> did, did, w- when's the first time you played Diddy Kong Racing, Malik?
1: Okay, so I have an interesting history with this one as well. Yeah. Uh, I did not know that Diddy Kong Racing was a thing until I saw a commercial for the DS remake in 2007. Oh, yeah. And yeah this is weird because this is around the time i was firmly rooted into a ps2 i only had a super nintendo growing up and long story short that original super nintendo was not in my possession at the time so i didn't really know what was going on with donkey kong and things like that but i saw diddy kong racing and i was like hey wait a minute that's diddy kong from donkey kong country i can't believe that he's got a racing game on the (laughs) ds and who are these other kongs i didn't know who dixie and tiny were very well but uh yeah that was the first place I saw it and then I got an N64 in like 2011 and a friend of mine gave me a copy of Diddy Kong Racing and uh yeah I played the heck out of it and it took me like 2 years to beat Wizpig but yeah that that's my history with it.
0: <laughs> yeah Wizpig was a challenging challenging boss. Both races were mm-hmm. with against him. Oh
1: yeah. The second race, I should specify. I, I put it down for like two years before getting back to it.
0: <laughs> well, you would have eventually seen that Diddy Kong racing ended with a big honkin' "to be continued" in the credits, <laughs> uh, before segueing into a scene where Whizpig's spaceship returned to Earth with him laughing maniacally. So it was clear that they were setting up a sequel. And it it was evident that after it was the smash hit, you know, it set the Guinness World Record at the time for most game reservations, um, which w- was impressive for 1997. Um, you know, that this game could come out of nowhere and both Nintendo and Rare could get everyone so hyped for it. <laughs> In such a short amount of time, and basically redirect everyone to focus on this this amazing miracle of a game. And maybe they oversold it a tad bit, but it was effective. And I don't think anyone who got it was truly disappointed, except for you know, the, the the cynical weirdos who prefer Super Mario Kart or something. But yeah, nah, yeah. So, so we are we are all expecting a sequel sooner or later. And this is something that I feel has been lost to history a little bit, uh, or at least in online game discourse, because the complicated rights of Diddy Kong Racing and, in effect, the original game being in limbo since around the release of Conker's Bad Fur Day when Nintendo was very shy about Promoting the character of Conker in, you know, a a game starring Diddy Kong. And so Diddy Kong Racing was just quietly pulled from shelves. And then after that, the buyout happened. And Diddy Kong Racing kind of fell down the memory hole a little bit, Malik. You know, everyone talks Mm -hmm. about GoldenEye 007 which came out a couple of months before in 1997, and the effect that that had on the industry. Everyone sings the praises of Banjo-Kazooie, and rightfully so. But Diddy Kong Racing was a runaway success for both Nintendo and Rare, and helped keep the N64 viable in a holiday season it would have been demolished by the PlayStation otherwise. It was a pillar of the system, and it became... I would argue, the keystone of Rare fandom, or at least the Rare fandom that evolved into DKU fandom, right? Like, the, the Rare fandom centered around the platformers and the, the animals, and basically that, that gobbled up Rare and whole uh, eventually. But
1: Yeah, and uh, not to get too far off topic, yeah. uh, real quick, I wanted to say that Microsoft, uh, it was the first thing that Microsoft, they saw Diddy Kong Racing, and they were like, we're going to keep an eye on this. I saw it in a magazine that uh, Rare Gamers' website... Uh, p- p- scanned and put on their thing. It was like that was the first thing that caught Microsoft's eye for rare. So, oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty big, pretty important.
0: Yeah, for, yeah, pretty <laughs> instrumental in the history of both rare and and Microsoft and and Nintendo. I mean, to be frank, and this has always been curious because it was it was such a big hit, and the fact is, it it felt like. Rare never really tried to directly capitalize on it until it was too late. Right. I mean, that, <laughs> that, that was always the curious thing about it to me because yes, it served a purpose. It served a big purpose in helping set up banjo and conquer, probably banjo more so than conquer considering the direction conquer took, but it, it definitely <laughs> did a good job of, of being that introductory sort of gateway for both characters. And it kept the Kong brand hot. Um, it, it was mm-hmm. the bridge between the Donkey Kong Country and Land trilogies and that initial surge of Donkey Kong Country mania and then Donkey Kong 64. If we didn't have Diddy Kong racing in the middle there, it would have been, you know, it felt like an eternity between... Donkey Kong Country Games, and Donkey Kong 64, but Diddy Kong Racing really helped get them over that gap. And the Diddy Kong Racing IP, I think, was worthy of exploitation in a way that it never was. And yes, we we got both Diddy Kong Pilot for the Game Boy Advance and Donkey Kong Racing for the GameCube announced at E3 2001, but that was nearly four years after Diddy Kong Racing was announced. And that was an eternity in those days. We go on and on about, oh, it's been 10 years since the Donkey Kong Country game has been announced. But Mm -hmm. four years back in the 90s, especially when you were a kid, that is a huge amount of time. Like, if you don't have a new game in four years, then you're forgotten about. (laughs)
1: You're starving.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So... Why was nothing done before that? Why, why was nothing announced before Donkey Kong Racing and Diddy Kong Pilot? And, you know, this is something that I, I guess, briefly considered, you know, it brushed up against my brain every now and again. But it felt like one of those big mysteries that wasn't really a mystery because, quite frankly, Rare was super busy. <laughs> in the late 90s and yeah. early 2000s. They had lots of pots on the stove in the late 1990s. Um, Lee Shuneman, who was the uh, director, game director for Diddy Kong Racing, right after he was done with Diddy Kong Racing, went right into the game that we know as Dinosaur Planet. And, like, that that's just the way it was. So... Even though Rare was very prolific in the 1990s, it felt like the four-year gap before they came back around to the Diddy Kong Racing brand just made sense. And they were obviously making up for lost time with two games instead of one. So, yeah, I, I was like, oh, finally. They're finally getting back to it. But boy, they're really going all in on Diddy Kong Racing. And yeah, they made... Um, both of them more Donkey Kong oriented, but they, it felt like they were still sprinkling aspects of the original game throughout both. You know, Taj was in Donkey Kong Racing, and Crunch was initially in Diddy Kong Pilot, and, and who knows el- what else would have popped up? You know, I've always wondered if Wizpig was maybe going to be the main antagonist of Donkey Kong Racing. Like that's he, he's attacking Donkey <laughs> Kong Island this time, and that's why Taj has shown up to help fend off Wizpig on on. Diddy Kong's home turf, and you know that would have been cool, but
1: yeah, yeah, it feels so strange to think about Whiz Pig on like Donkey Kong Island proper.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, but <laughs> as excited as we were for those games, and I don't need to tell you how excited we were for Donkey Kong Racing. That's that—that's the one. That that is the one that I will never fully get over. Like that's the one that got away. That's the one I will I was excited for it. Yeah.
1: I was excited for it when I saw trailers online in like 2011,
0: 2010. I was like, oh
1: my goodness, look at this. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. It got canceled.
0: I, I can <laughs> still pull up that trailer and it gets my heart rate pumping. I'm just like, oh, yeah, here we <laughs> go. Here we go. And even though I know it front and back... You know, I, I can shut my eyes and see the whole thing play out. I, I'm still like, "Oh my God, they're riding on Singers! Look at that! It's like the, the forest moon of Endor!" And mm-hmm. oh my God, they're in Kremlantis, Kremlantis from Donkey Kong Land. And and, and I'm Kitty just Kitty
1: and Ellie. Oh my gosh! Kitty.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 just bouncing in my seat like a toddler. And, and uh, I, I I mourn Donkey Kong Racing. I it, it's the I think the biggest drawback of the buyout was the loss of Donkey Kong Racing. But, alas, I don't think there was any getting around it. Rare wanted to be owned outright by Nintendo. Nintendo was going through management changes on both sides of the Pacific, and they weren't in the market to buy Rare at the time. And thus, Rare was purchased by Microsoft in September of 2002, and the dream of a Diddy Kong Racing sequel formally and officially fell apart. Donkey Kong Racing, mm-hmm. as many people know, was reworked until it became Saber Man Stampede, itself a project that ultimately collapsed under its own weight and was cancelled by the mid-to-late 2000s. Diddy Kong Pilot, that was still kicking around into 2003 because they thought, well, maybe we can still release this Nintendo will publish it. Um, So we've got builds of that game from 2003, but ultimately Nintendo didn't want it. And so Rare, uh, when they struck up the partnership with THQ to publish their Game Boy Advance games that weren't being published by Nintendo, uh, they decided to have Banjo and his cast take it over. And that even evolved into a breathtaking new build the voxel version that was ultimately mm-hmm. scrapped because it couldn't support game link multiplayer which was a condition that the stampers were pushing for even though nobody pl- nobody played game Link multiplayer. stupid on- decision yeah it, it, <laughs> unless the, it was pokemon the the worst decision the stampers made that i know of um
1: Ever, ever, ever on any platform.
0: Yeah, but especially the GBA. (laughs) So the final version of Banjo Pilot was effectively a reskinned version of the 2003 Diddy Kong pilot build, complete with little trace elements of the Donkey Kong series left behind, like the famous appearance of expresso the ostrich in banjo (laughs) pilot um the closest we've come behind
1: intentionally or not
0: (laughs) you know i i think they didn't care and they're like nintendo won't care and nintendo didn't care (laughs) but it's an
1: ostrich whatever (laughs) it's an ostrich
0: that just looks identical to the same ostrich who wore tennis shoes in donkey kong country yeah (laughs) <laughs> Plausible deniability, and and plus it was a treat for the fans like me. But that was the closest we came <laughs> to a Diddy Kong Racing sequel, at least until 2007, when your game, Diddy Kong Racing DS, came out. Which, you know, Diddy Kong Racing DS is a remake, I would argue it's a pseudo-chronological follow-up to Diddy Kong Racing, just based off Tiny Kong being a teenager in it, and There was the one promotional postcard that that said as much. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's just Diddy Kong Racing without Banjo and Conquer, and some new features that people didn't like, but some fun new tracks. So the only way we got a sequel to Diddy Kong Racing was by just doing a remake of Diddy Kong Racing. Utterly disappointing. (laughs) Utterly disappointing for those of us who had been there since the beginning and were holding out hope. For a new Diddy Kong Racing. And the brand effectively went dormant again. Um, This time, aside from some Kevin Callahan-fueled rumors in the early 2010s... Do the math. Yeah, (laughs) do do the math. (laughs) And Fangamer uh, reviving the property for merchandise under the pseudonym Rare Racers. uh, It's been dormant for good. And there's little chance or little hope... For a new Diddy Kong Racing game <laughs> going forward, and that's a sad story, yeah. Malik. I'm gonna, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna have to take a take a little drink, drinky poo for that to nurse my wounds. Well,
1: it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs>
0: that's right. It's just after five when we're recording this uh, in the Pacific Time Zone. So this is for all of my friends out in California,
1: BC for me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, in, in the live stream we've got uh, Freezer asking Malik who is your main Heil we know yours Malik you actually responded you were, you were being yes, good to the did. chat you said Tip Top was my boy <laughs> Banjo sometimes and yes because
1: yes. I, I had to play as Banjo because it was Banjo so, oh my gosh this is Banjo And then I realized <laughs> Tip Top is just the best character to play as <laughs> if you actually want to beat the game
0: yeah, D- Diddy's my favorite. Diddy's my Diddy's my favorite character of all time. But I love all of the Diddy Kong Racing cast. It's not like it's Mario Kart where I'm like, ew Peach, ew, ew, <laughs> ew <laughs> Bowser Junior. I don't want to play Bowser Junior. I want to play Donkey Kong. Um, I love everybody in Diddy Kong Racing. It's it's a cast primarily made up of newbies. But they're also endearing to me. And uh, Mo Spankins is in the chat and says Rare was the premier developer in the late '90s.
1: The premier developer, just for everybody, <laughs> not just for Nintendo.
0: Everyone. I would ag- I would agree with that. I'll fight people with that with a broken bottle. I'll I'll chip them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll use my Diddy Kong Racing cartridge. That thing is sturdy.
0: Most banking also says worst move <laughs> Nintendo ever made in relation to not buying Rare. It's complicated, um, and we're going to be getting into a little bit of that on this episode. So let's go back to early 1998. So as okay. fans, as fans who were there at the time, I should say, Malik. I'm not trying to exclude you in this narrative. I'm just speaking from my own perspective as a you know on the ground child who was who was immersed in the budding fan culture of Rare. Um as fans the refractory glow of Diddy Kong Racing's post-release <laughs> ebbed a little bit. It slowly faded, but it faded right into almost seamlessly into getting hyped for Banjo-Kazooie, which would debut that June. And there was little to distract us from shifting our focus from one Right into the other. I mean, this is before there were Donkey Kong cameo games coming out every few months. Uh, This Mm -hmm. was really just uh, a very fallow period where there was a lot of stuff in the works, but it went right from Diddy Kong Racing to seven months later, Banjo-Kazooie. But behind the scenes, a different story and game plan was in effect one that would have more directly capitalized on Diddy Kong Racing success while shoring up the nascent notion of a rare universe. A shared Donkey Kong universe. And we knew a little bit about this. But it wasn't until Sunday, October 22nd, just a couple of weeks ago, that a fuller picture finally came to light, and it happened thanks to Ed Bryan, famed banjo kazooie artist who now works at Platonic. And the funny thing is, the unfortunate thing is, Ed didn't even realize he was doing this. This was a mistake, not <laughs> not a mistake. He he intended to share this. It wasn't like he accidentally hit send on very, like, top-secret documents, so that's kind of overplaying it, but what happened was, on the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, Ed shared some documents dated to February 8th, 1998, and they pertain to Rare's plans for the upcoming E3 which would be held May 28th to May 30th in Atlanta, Georgia that year. This was before every E3 was held at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Now, E398 was to be scheduled a month before what would become Banjo Kazooie's final release date in the West. So it was as much or was planned to be as much about showing off Banjo Kazooie right before launch as well as previewing what was to come from rare either hopefully later that year or maybe even two years or so down the line so this was going to be basically the rest of rares n64 slate as well as what they had in the works on the handheld platform and the reason ed showed off this document or or this the these pages from this document was because he was tidying up around his house and uncovered them and he was kind of taken with this doodle that he did on the document showing a work in progress of banjo kazooie's box art so any other day <laughs> that would have been a cute charming little thing and and you know fans would have been like oh that's that's cool you know oh yeah wow mm-hmm. well a, a, a little glimpse into how the magic came about But uh, what Ed didn't realize or didn't consider at the time was this document lists out Rare's entire development slate in early 1998 with some games that had obviously not yet been officially unveiled during this time period, like Donkey Kong 64, and one game that the public has never officially known about. And I I sort of feel bad about running with this because this wasn't Ed's intention. This this is just something Ed Bryan really wanted to show Banjo-Kazooie fans about this work-in-progress doodle. And meanwhile, unscrupulous mm-hmm. Donkey Kong journalists like me come along. We pounce on this errant detail that he hadn't otherwise considered. And in some ways, we ratio the story with with this unintended snowball of, Oh my God, look at this. Look at that. And we just completely ignored what Ed <laughs> wanted us to look at. But you know, that's my job now. And I'm sorry that them's the breaks. If you're going to that, share, that's,
1: that's just, yeah, that's how some of the best historical stories happen. It's like, Oh, this just happened by accident. Now everyone, now the whole world knows your secrets.
0: Watergate. <laughs> yeah. Watergate was, yeah, just a botched break in and look, look what happened there. It brought down a presidency. So I wanted to give this like whole leak thing a catchy name because all leaks have catchy, easily digestible names. WikiLeaks, uh, the Panama Papers. So the best I could come up with <laughs> is the Ed B Scrolls.
1: Is that a reference to something I don't understand? Well, it
0: rhymes with the Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> okay I, right. I get that it's very tenuous <laughs> doesn't really work and uh i'm gonna call it that but i'm not gonna call it that often because it sucks <laughs> i'm not gonna try to get that one to catch on outside this this show right here <laughs> so watch
1: it catch on because you don't want
0: it to that's what happened with lord harry oh my god yeah uh <laughs> this document this document, Malik, it lists several games with the uh, targeted state that they would be ready at when E398 comes along. And this is ambitious. Like, I I, I love how just gung-ho rare was that, yeah, we're going to have everything, everything ready to show at E398. Because, um, and this might not be everything they had in the works at the time. This is just what they thought. They could get ready to be in some sort of state by e three ninety eight. So, you know, it, it, it's it's likely like Grunty's curse was kicking around, maybe in some form or fashion. But th- this is what they had, right. and it's very illuminating, and it also sheds a little bit more detail on the state of mind at Rare at the time. So, number one on the list is Conquer, just called Conquer at this mm-hmm. point. I, I think they were. Treading away from the Conquer's Quest name, but it hadn't become Twelve Tales yet. Uh and with Conquer, they say playable version. Seems reasonable. Banjo kazooie mm-hmm. playable, finished version. They actually have it listed as Banjo kazooie 1. So they, yeah. they they were already thinking in terms of Tui, or or maybe that's in reference to Granny's Curse, but probably Tui. So Banjo kazooie 1, playable. Finished version. DK64 mm-hmm. is listed, and it says DK64 playable version. <laughs> nice. And then um, on cough. the side... Cough. Yes, yeah, somebody, mamie Ed Bryan wrote cough. Um, kind of an, a nervous cough because, oh lordy <laughs> Malik. Uh, Donkey Kong 64 in 1998 was... There, there was so much drama to mine from that story. And one day the complete story will be able to be told. But 1998 is when they scrapped the um, the, the build of the game that was more in the style of Donkey Kong Country games, only 3D. And they, they eventually just threw up their hands, brought in George Andreas as, as the new game director and said, we're just doing Banjo-Kazooie, but on steroids. Mm -hmm. So, I I have a lot of opinions about it. I I think, just like I mourn the Voxel version of Banjo Pilot and the entirety of Donkey Kong Racing, I do mourn at least the idea of what they're trying to do with Donkey Kong 64. I, I realize it wasn't coming together, but I still think that was the correct notion they had for the game but yeah it, it was it was already a disaster february 8th 1998 they, they were getting some flop sweat on their brow about donkey kong 64 uh so we we have a game uh what would become joanna dark's starring game perfect dark but they have it listed as joanna dark in alien intelligence uh, late released video version, and uh, the same person who wrote "Cough," presumably Ed Bryan, scratched out Joanna Dark and wrote Laura Croft. Which...
1: He thinks he's so funny. <laughs> it makes me
0: it makes me wonder if Joanna Dark was like Rare's response to Laura Croft and Tomb Raider, like. Okay, we we can have like we can have a strong female protagonist that doesn't have to be such an obvious over the top sex symbol. Like we we can make her sexy, but not in just like boob shirts, you know, like I don't know. Yeah. But it just yeah. Funny little notation there. Number five. Dino. Here it is. Dino Island. Dino Island videotape presentation. We're going to come back around to Dino Island, Malik. So this, okay. It's this the next part of our um, discussion after we get done talking about the last game on this list. Jet Force Gemini was on there as a videotaped presentation. Conquer DMG. Uh,. Conquer DMG playable finished version. So for those who don't know, uh DMG stands for dot matrix game, which was the original internal code name for the Game Boy and that was also a component ah. of the original Game Boy's product number, DMG. So internally at Rare, they called Game Boy games DMG. So Conquer DMG was of course Conker's Pocket Tales. Now, the last game on the list is the game I have been building up to, the game I have been alluding to. You know what the game is if you read the episode title. Diddy Kong (laughs) Racing. Actually, it's it's listed as D-K-R D-M-G. Beautiful name right there. Diddy Kong Racing DMG. Diddy Kong Racing for the Game Boy. Now here here's where we kind of uh parse through the finer details of history. Okay. Con- Conker's Pocket Tales was of course originally completed for the original Game Boy. The the just the original brick Game Boy, P-Soup Game Boy, Game Boy Color, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Game Boy Color or Game Boy um Super Game Boy um, version of the Game Boy, you know, you could play it on a Super Nintendo or whatever. The Game Boy Color version of Conker's Pocket Tales was done afterwards. They, they completed Conker's Pocket Tales for the Game Boy. The, they knew the Game Boy Color was being released, um, later that year, and because, 12 Tales Conquer 64 was stuck in development hell. They went ahead and released it, but they were like, you know what? We should just do a version for the Game Boy Color as well. And so both versions are included on in the same cartridge, Conquer's Pocket Tales. So we can't say for sure if Diddy Kong Racing uh, DMG started life as a Game Boy Color game or was first intended for the bog standard game boy we don't know we don't know for sure but i would argue that Mm -hmm. since the game boy color was coming out in october in japan and november everywhere else around the world it stands to reason that diddy kong racing would have also been a game boy color game um, especially with the prevailing theory about what happened to this project and what yeah, happened? I, I would to, believe that. Yeah. What happened to this project was, we can't say for sure, but it's likely. Diddy Kong Racing GBC became Mickey's racing adventure. Gasp. Gasp. Shock. Where's my fainting couch? I'm acting astonished. I need to take a tumble. So. Mickey's Racing Adventure. Oh my god, here we go. This is a game that people have been after me to talk about, to to consider as part of the DKU for for reasons. May I'm I sure ask
1: why. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure it's going to come up because Freezers in our chat. Um Of course. It's it's very obscure minute details but let let me explain first before i get in the weeds where the rare cow lives i need to discuss (laughs) the backstory of mickey's racing adventure and this is where you come in malik because you are the cartoon gamer and i feel like such a fraud when trying to discuss animation uh, especially mickey mouse Uh, Mm -hmm. just not my forte. It's just not in my wheelhouse. So even though this is kind of an intersection with my interest with rare, I might need your help here. Okay. So sure. Sure. On May 6th, 1999, Nintendo announced a huge deal with Disney to produce multiple games over the next Three years, at least as the target date, now, yeah, Disney was a very, very lucrative brand, a very popular i p in Japan in the late nineteen nineties like it 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 like just exploded. And I don't know why why these things happen, I don't know, but Mickey Mouse and Friends were huge in Japan. In the late '90s, yeah. and Nintendo, being you know located in Japan, they wanted to get in on it. They wanted to capitalize it. They wanted to build a bridge to this great Western animation giant.
1: Well, Nintendo and Disney actually have like quite a history history with each other, going back to like the '50s, I want to say, uh-huh. because Nintendo did like. Hanafuda trading cards with Mickey Mouse on them and other things. But they have worked together. Like one of the first Game & Watch games was Mickey and Donald. So yeah. they've worked together quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Well, with, with this newfound popularity of Disney at that time, N- Nintendo was like, we, we want to have a, a lucrative ongoing relationship with Disney. And so they, they announced that they had inked this deal. And the problem was uh, Nintendo's idea on how to strike up a sizzling, mutually beneficial partnership with Disney at this time was to make a ton of new games for Disney on the Nintendo 64, the Game Boy Color, and eventually the GameCube. Uh, But they decided that they would use their partnership with Rare as a way to facilitate that. So we mm-hmm. should read the press release, Malik. Uh, I, I've excised okay. the relevant portions of the press release uh, sent out to the press on May 6th, 1998. I actually pulled this from our friends at Rare Gamer because they have thankfully archived it before the Internet Archive made access in off Rare's website impossible so this is uh, thanks to our friends steve and paul at rare gamer malik would you like to read this i feel like i have been blabbing on and i want to hear this press release from disney and nintendo in your words okay, your, your voice. i think
1: i can do that for you
0: okay okay <laughs> So let's see. Burbank, California.
1: Disney Interactive Inc. and Nintendo of America Inc. today announced a worldwide agreement for Nintendo to publish a portfolio of games for the N64 and Game Boy Color systems. As part of the announcement, Disney's premier character, Mickey Mouse, will make his first 3D appearance in two games for the N64 platform. The Mickey products, a Mickey racing title, Game Boy Color, a Disney racing title, N64 and Game Boy Color, and a Mickey adventure title, home console and Game Boy Color, will be created by award-winning developer Rare Limited and are scheduled for release during the holiday seasons of 1999, 2000, and 2001, respectively. Uh, Should should I keep going? (laughs) Please, I'm enjoying this. Okay, okay. All right, uh... Rare's work has won universal acclaim for titles like the Donkey Kong Country Series, Diddy Kong Racing, Banjo-Kazooie, and the winner of the first-ever Game of the Year Award from the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, Goldeneye 007 for the N64. All right, now here's a quote. We are thrilled to introduce Mickey to an entirely new audience by combining his global popularity with the innovative technology that the Game Boy Color and N64 platforms have to offer, says Jan Smith, Disney's Interactive Senior Vice President and General Manager. Our relationship with Nintendo and Rare will create the most exciting and immersive Mickey gaming experience ever. The incomparable ability of Rare to create interactive magic is about to be integrated with the incomparable appeal of Mickey Mouse, says Howard Lincoln, chairman, Nintendo of America. The results will broaden the appeal of video gaming to an ever-widening number of households around the world.
0: So, yeah. Lofty goals from Howard Lincoln there. I I
1: don't think they were met. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody knows where they were when Mickey Speedway USA was released.
1: And uh, a couple years later, Disney's Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse. Three out of ten game right there. (laughs) Well... Rare didn't make that one, but... Yeah.
0: So, really quick, as a primer, because these are games we don't often discuss here on The Conversation. This is kind of that... Aspect of Rare's '90s history, their partnership with Nintendo, that gets completely glossed over. Not just by us, though, by by most people. So, yeah, yeah, Mickey's Racing Adventure was released for the Game Boy Color on my birthday, November twenty second, nineteen ninety nine. The same day that Donkey <laughs> Kong '64 came out, which what Like, that sounds weird. Like, Rare had two games out on the same day, but it was a feat they were to repeat a year later when Donkey Kong Country for the Game Boy Color was released as the same day Banjo-Tooie came out. So, just... My goodness. Th- yeah, this is what Rare did back They It was like, oh, okay, it's the holiday, uh, the big holiday, like, Black Friday launch period. Here's two games. Here's two games. It's ludicrous. But... They make it look easy. Yeah. So um, Mickey's Racing Adventure was followed by Mickey Speedway USA, which was that Disney racing title the, the press release alluded to. Mickey Speedway USA came out on the Nintendo 64 the following November, actually a week before 2E and Donkey Kong Country GBC came out. And a Game Boy Color version of Mickey Speedway USA was then released in March of 2001, mere weeks after Conker's Bad Fur Day.
1: My goodness. Yeah.
0: (laughs) The Mickey Adventure title that the press release talked about, which was supposed to be released in 2001 for the just-launched Nintendo GameCube... And, uh, also for the Game Boy Color, although I would imagine that would presumably become the Game Boy Advance. Um, that fell apart because the relationship between Nintendo and Rare had disintegrated around this time. And when Nintendo refused to buy Rare, that's when Rare started looking for other shoppers. They had that, um, holiday card in december 2001 that was a snowman of mr pants with all of the game consoles underneath the tree and like yeah yeah like like hey guess what we're we're we might not be (laughs) leaving nintendo but we are definitely not going to be exclusive nintendo anymore so because of this um nintendo went to capcom And that is what gave us the game Disney's Magical Mirror, starring Mickey Mouse, which (laughs) which was released on the GameCube (laughs) in August of 2002. And if you ever wondered why Nintendo published that game, that is why. That was honoring the rest of the contract that was originally intended for Nintendo and Rare.
1: Yeah, Miyamoto is a producer on that game, but uh, that didn't save it from its middling scores. (laughs) No, no.
0: Um, Rare could have probably done better, but when the Disney deal was (laughs) announced in 1999, I I can tell you exactly what I thought about it, Malik. Um, I, I don't remember much about these games, like when they came out or following the news about them at all, but I remember being extraordinarily dismissive of it. Um, Yeah, I can imagine that. Out of proportion to how I should have felt at the time, I I was even a little angry at Nintendo, you know, forcing Rare (laughs) to make games for Disney, who, okay, let me rewind a little bit, because uh, cultural mores have changed a little bit perspectives have changed disney in the late 1990s is not the disney of 2023 right disney of 2023 i feel like has something for everyone they've really diversified their portfolio as the kids say they've really yeah expanded the brand and that wasn't the case so much in the 90s. I feel like Disney... I don't feel like I know. They were still very much that <laughs> family-friendly brand. And as I've already explained before on the conversation, I was not a Disney kid. I, I, in fact, rebelled against Disney. I viewed Disney as what adults forced upon kids. But if it was up to me... I, I would have gone for the kids' counterculture, uh, fair like Nickelodeon, you know, cartoons with a little bit more attitude yeah. and edge and snark. And um, in, in my opinion, just more rooted in what it was like being a kid in the 1990s versus, you know, the 1920s or whenever Disney um, <laughs> really became a household name, you know? Um and, you know, that's not, in, that's not, that was, that was my own life experience. I recognized this was around the time of the Disney Renaissance or just coming right off the Disney Renaissance where, you know, they had string after string after string of hugely lucrative award winning animations. And then this was when their deal with Pic- Pixar started up and we started getting stuff like Toy Story, a bug's life. So I, I was just, you know, not a Disney kid and I, <sighs> I I really did feel like Rare was being shackled here, uh, being forced to make (laughs) games they didn't want to make. And these were games that wouldn't serve the Rare brand. They wouldn't serve Rare's own stable of characters that they were getting off the ground, be they DKU or not. And I I realize that sounds like the shitty little take of Young Heil, the one you would expect me to have, but, Mm -hmm. you know, because I was the Rare fan absolutist. My opinion was, oh, poor Rare Oh, they're, they're forced mm-hmm. to stoop to such indignities at the cruel behest of wicked Nintendo.
1: <laughs> it's like back in the 80s when they made stuff like Beetlejuice and Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
0: <laughs> but that's not the rare I knew. That, the rare I knew were auteurs who, who reinvented Donkey Kong, who, were, who came up with their own ideas, or who defied conventional wisdom by making a good James Bond game. Like, a Disney game... Mm-hmm just felt like the complete contrary notion of Rare's identity. But, you know, I look back on it now and I'm like, being the Rare fan that I am, it's weird that I was so dismissive. I should have still been vaguely interested because it was still Rare. It was still being developed by creators and talent that I admired and and were otherwise huge fans of even if they weren't games they would have naturally come to i i should have maybe still given them a little bit more of a look even but i i was just so i didn't care about disney i didn't care about mickey mouse in particular it was it was the complete like, opposite end of what I looked for in my entertainment, which is why I gravitated to Rare in the first place, because their characters resonated uh, so profoundly with me. Uh, Like, Donkey Kong Country, I I talk about, was everything I had ever wanted in a video game, and it was just suddenly all there in one package. And they just continued to do that throughout the 90s and early aughts, and Mm -hmm. quite frankly, even today. And... So again, no disrespect to any of the staffers who are working on these, but it felt like these games just would not be authentic to their bodies of work. You know, it's like if you have a movie and the director of the movie just grows to loathe what they're working on. Either the studio's demanding all sorts of cuts, uh, it just gets chopped up, taken out of their hands, and so they demand that their name is taken off of it and the name Alan Smithy is put on in its place, which is the placeholder name in a Hollywood movie if the creative talent does not want to officially be credited to the movie. If they're so aghast at, at what they've helped bring into the world, they have the option of being given the pseudonym alan smithy so when you see alan smithy in a film you know somebody was not happy with the finished product
1: oh okay i learned something new today i
0: educate (laughs) malik i'm i'm here for entertainment i'm here to be a dancing juggling monkey but i'm also here to be a a (laughs) monkey wearing a cap and gown you know a mortar board and tassels you know i'm 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 an educated monkey as well as an entertainer that's great. <laughs> great visual. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing, Malik. Here, here's, here's the mm-hmm. surprising part of this story, because this is the part of the conversation where I would be like, young me was full of shit, and I've come to recognize that everyone was supremely proud of their Mickey Mouse games at Rare, and what underrated masterpieces they were. And, and they were underrated, for the record. There, there was inherent quality to all of them. But I wasn't far off with how I felt. Because the truth is, Rare was being forced to do these. They didn't have a say. By and large, they weren't happy about it. Even the stampers, those who brought the axe to the voxel version of Banter Pilot, who were the most pragmatic people at Rare because they had the most financial stake, even the stampers seethed at being uh forced by Nintendo to make these games because this is you know this was around the time where they were trying to get their own self published games off the ground where they had ambition and Nintendo was just using them as this shovelware studio effectively that's the way they felt <laughs> i'm not saying these games were shovelware but i'm saying that's the way the stampers perceived it and yeah so the Stampers, they went to the teams and they, you know, if they didn't say, hey, just half-ass these, don't sweat them, they did say to get the games done with minimal fuss and to not really obsess over making them five-star masterpieces.
1: Is there like articles out there that have all this stuff? Because I'd love to read more about it.
0: Uh, This is me asking around and doing Donkey Kong Journalism oh. League. It was one of the drops Dance Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> this whole Disney kerfluffle. This debacle, if you will, it was one of the drops of poison put into the veins of the rare Nintendo up until that point, Blood Brothership. And from mm-hmm. from Nintendo's perspective, you know, the Disney brand was extraordinarily lucrative they were actually doing Rare this huge solid, this this massive favor by giving them these games on a silver platter. But again, from Rare's perspective, the Mickey Mouse brand actually had less cultural cash in the late 1990s in the West than it did in Japan. Yes, aspects of Disney were still popular, but Mickey Mouse? Not quite so much. Not in the late 90s. And huh i i I really feel like they they felt like they could not devote the time and resources to the games that they wanted to make as they grew their own brand because they weren't in the same place they were in the late eighties early nineties you know the the Nintendo partnership changed a lot of things at rare made them for the first time a household name among gamers and all of a sudden, they had to take the back seat to Nintendo and Disney. And so, it was actually one of the f- reasons that there were few tears shed at Rare amongst the staff <laughs> when Nintendo did not buy them. Because as outrageous as the thought was to those on the outside who lived and breathed at partnership and thought it was forever... Uh, They they were starting to chafe under it a little bit. And the Disney deal was a big, big component of that. And sure, there were other reasons that soured the relationship. But that was definitely... Definitely was just one of the reasons why... The Rare staff weren't too broken up when Nintendo refused to buy them. And when Microsoft did. Because at the end of the day, they felt like... Well, we can make the games we want to make. Which, you know... Hindsight's twenty twenty. Had they known the difficulties ahead, maybe they would have felt differently. But the Mickey <laughs> Mouse sort of anvil tied around their uh, ankles felt like it dragged some of the creative talent down at Rare for a good two years of, of their careers. So, yeah, that's um, that, that's the surprising little backstory there. And, you know, Bob Iger is a close personal friend of mine, and... Oh, of course. (laughs) I have have it on good authority that, you know, he would never make such a deal these days. But (laughs) (laughs) Mickey's Racing Adventure, the first game of this um, series of games that came out from Rare, which, again, they all ended up being uh, Mickey Racing games. Uh, There was never the 3D platformer that from Rare that, you know, um, Nintendo and Disney promised in the press release, Mickey's Racing Adventure was really thought of nothing more than a cash grab by fans like me at the time. Because we, we viewed this as kind of antithetical to what Rare was. And so we didn't view these as true Rare games. They were just nuisances that we could avoid. And so we never really stopped. I never really stopped to consider where Mickey's racing adventure may have originated. Where where the kernels first grew um, beyond that press release. Oh, I, I was sure that Rare was just recycling errant ideas from Diddy Kong Racing. Because, you know, the skeleton of all three of these games was effectively... Diddy Kong Racing, or maybe RC Pro-Am for this first one, we never stopped and asked ourselves, what if Mickey's Racing Adventure was a Diddy Kong Racing game before it wasn't? So, let's rewind once again. And let's go back to Rareware, the classic Rare website. Rareware used to run a feature, a very irregular feature, where they would gather up... Lee Loveday, I should say, would gather up the team of a particular game and ask them questions submitted by fans, submitted by readers of the website. Nowadays, you would just add somebody on social media and get a response. But back then, in the days where Rare was very secretive and the creators were siloed off in the barns, this was as good as we get to talk to some of the creative talent beyond Lee Loveday, who was the, the mouth of Sauron when it came to... Um, Rare, to the Stampers. So the Tepid Seat would be run every so often, usually months, sometimes a year or two after the game had come out. There was a particular Tepid Seat where Lee wrangled the handheld team at Rare. This was during the Game Boy Color era. So this was pre-Game Boy Advance. And I don't think anybody had a question about uh, Mickey's Racing Adventure. (laughs) To To show you how little rare fans cared about it. And to be frank, eventually Rare had to pull all references to the Mickey games off their website at the behest of Disney because Disney did not like them using um images that were owned by Disney on their website even though Rare had developed the game. That's, you know, D- Disney's the, the the company that would go after preschools because they have Disney uh, Mickey Mouse on a mural and Yeah without permission and and so it, it's it's just the the kind of behavior disney is notorious for so eventually they just stopped acknowledging the uh the mickey games except saying hey it's out now go buy it <laughs> go but buy it please rare couldn't even hype up these games on their own website that was built to hype up rare games just to show you how counter to... Unless they
1: just didn't care.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> but it was also just how counter to their sensibilities this all was. Like, oh, we made this game, but we can't really promote it in the same way we can promote all of our other games. But the, it came up in the tepid seed, not from reader questions, because the readers weren't thinking about it, but by the developers <laughs> bringing it up. And there's two noteworthy things to discuss here that lend themselves to this discussion we are having. So... In this tepid seat, uh, the the reader Baga, which I'm sure is the real name, wrote in and asked, (laughs) I'm just curious as to how much time you guys have spent on your previously released and future Game Boy games. The answer from some anonymous handheld team um, dev was that Mickey Racing, as they called it, took around six months Conquer took much longer as it was redone for the Game Boy Color. Perfect Dark was started after Conquer but was delayed due to Mickey. Hmm. If if we're to go off of this, it suggests that uh Mickey's racing adventure started immediately on the heels of the press release to when the game came out in November, which would equal six months. So Yeah. That being said. That's a very fast turnaround time. And I know the stampers said to half-ass it effectively or, you know, to to not <laughs> sweat it. But there's a lot of interesting ideas at the very least in Mickey's Racing Adventure. And it, it's pretty polished for a game that only took half a year, which, which, which is yeah. you know, astonishing. So I think I would argue it would make sense. It would make some sense that the game would have started as something else first. At least took ideas that started on another project and then cobbled it together, cannibalized it for its own. Um, Especially seeing as how this is the one rare Mickey game that feels like it has the most originality to it. Because the Mickey Speedway USA games, I feel like, are just more direct kart racers, um... More so than this is. This this is more of a hybridization uh, of a a top-down adventure with racing elements as well as puzzles and some other stuff. So, interestingly, there's another question in the Tepid Seat that calls into question the entire integrity of the Tepid Seat. (laughs) Why don't you read this question from uh, reader Anton Benson? and then read the response from somebody on the handheld team.
1: Okay, so let's see. Here it is. Although they were never confirmed, what happened to the planned Banjo-Kazooie and Diddy Kong Racing titles for the GBC? Come on, spill the beans. And the answer is, neither of these games have ever been in development, but you never know what the future holds. What the heck? How did that person know?
0: Well... For starters, that answer was full of damned lies, and (laughs) even even if you were to disregard (laughs) the Ed B Scrolls, even if you were to completely dismiss that Diddy Kong Racing for the Game Boy is listed among them, we know for a certainty that Grunty's Curse for the Game Boy Color, the game that eventually became Grunty's Revenge, was in development just like we right. now know that diddy kong racing was how did that person know <laughs> i don't know because as somebody who was <laughs> deep in the fandom at the time i hadn't heard anything about either banjo kazooie or diddy kong racing for the game boy color but this person was right on the money right anton benson knew yeah. what was up and so anton benson if you're listening right now <laughs> reach out to me where I would are love, you i would who love are you I would love to hear... (laughs) It's possible because I wasn't reading many print magazines at this time. Once I discovered Rareware, I pretty much stopped subscribing to Nintendo Power. I stopped obsessing about EGM and GamePro and picking up just errant issues that interested me because I had a direct blind to rare. You know, I what what I cared about was rare and now I got had the most reliable rare news. So I didn't need to worry about anybody else. But it's possible because I know in some of those magazines they would actually print credible rumors in in like the Rumor Mill or whatever. So it's possible it it you know cropped up in EGM or something and um somebody on the team leaked to somebody that they were working on it, but it was never officially talked about or even hinted by Lee Loveday on Rare's website. Now, this is a, a flat dismissal, but we know it's full of damn lies, and it's full of lies, <laughs> I think, because we know they eventually, you know, resuscitated Grunty's curse as as uh, Grunty's revenge, so perhaps they didn't want to divulge too much at that time. Yeah. I, I would say it's it's a safe assumption, that um, Mickey's Racing Adventure has some correlation with Diddy Kong Racing for the Game Boy Color. Um, Granted, there are 15 months between when the Ed B Scrolls are dated and the Disney press release. Now, 15 months. It's possible something else happened to Diddy Kong Racing um, DMG in the meantime to put the project in the cupboard for a bit until it was revived way later as Diddy Kong pilot. No, same, same as what happened with Grunty's Curse. Yeah. That being said, it is possible that the Disney deal was what prevented Diddy Kong racing GBC from seeing release. We don't know. We, we don't know enough yet. And I haven't been able to get enough information on this subject to make any firm confirmation one way or another. But... I think it's very likely that ideas that were formulated for Diddy Kong Racing GBC wound up in Mickey's Racing Adventure. I'm not saying Mickey's Racing Adventure Mm -hmm. is a one-to-one reskin of a Diddy Kong Racing game in the way Banjo Pilot was the Diddy Kong Pilot. But I think looking at Mickey's Racing Adventure, uh, you, you can be that educated monkey. And and make some guesswork as to how this would have worked as a Diddy Kong Racing game. How this team, these creatives, may have first come about um, these ideas while workshopping a Diddy Kong Racing game on the Game Boy Color. After all, Lee Shuneman, game director of Diddy Kong Racing, was also credited for this game. So I, I think it's highly likely... That at the very least, Mickey's racing adventure has ideas that Diddy Kong racing. David Wise did the music. David too. Wise did the music. And you know, it's so funny because we talk about David Wise, this weird period of David Wise's career where David Wise was the shit, man. David Wise mm-hmm. was just the hottest rare composer. He, he, like, David Wise or D Wise was just. Becoming a household name to people who follow this stuff. And then something happened. And, and <laughs> was it was just it, gone. Grant Kirkhope just became Grant Kirkhope and Robin Beanland. I always feel like I saw Robin Beanland short because Robin Beanland is an amazing composer, as is Evelyn Novakovic, as is Graham Norgate. um We, we always talk about Wise and Kirkhope just as, like, two ends of the spectrum. They are the um, Lennon-McCartney of Rare. But, you know, mm-hmm. Rob Robin Beanland, there's nothing wrong with being George Harrison, so come on. <laughs> so I'm on a Beatles kick right now because there's a new Beatles song today. That's all right. And um, I'm very, very <laughs> happy right now because I have a new Beatles song. I get to talk about new Diddy Kong racing news. Diddy Kong's going to be in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe next week. Like, I, I'm just... Just high on life. Yeah, like for the first time, things are breaking my way. It's a shame <laughs> that half the Beatles are dead. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I, I always just thought it was weird that David Wise just wasn't utilized much for the N64, but it's because we weren't really paying attention much to the Mickey games. That's where David Wise was living for a while.
1: hmm he was doing that, and like, yeah, I feel like if David... I feel like it was like a blessing in disguise because if we had David Wise on the N64, I feel like, I feel like all the other guys would have been, uh, what's the word, overshadowed by him?
0: Yeah. I feel. <laughs> well, yeah. Grant, Grant Kirkup had a quick rise to prominence at Rare. Went from Donkey Kong Land to, um, in 1996 to doing GoldenEye in 2000, or 1997, and then Banjo Kazooie in 98, and Donkey Kong 64 in 99, and... Just, yeah. GoldenEye,
1: Perfect Dark, just yeah, everything.
0: Right. <laughs> so, yeah, um, just just a lot of creative talent credits to this game that obviously had some uh, DNA in Diddy Kong Racing. The adventure aspects in Mickey's Racing Adventure, I, I feel like they would have um, facilitated Diddy Kong Racing, like, taking the conceit of Diddy Kong Racing being a racing adventure and making it work for the Game Boy. We we, we just talked about recently on the conversation how you could do um, an effective Mario Kart-style kart racer on pre-Game Boy Advance, Game Boy um, consoles or handhelds, and... Yeah, they they, they were going to try it at the very least with uh, Diddy Kong Racing. But you, you look at Mickey's racing adventures. You look at that, and they've got this top-down environment where the character walks around. Similar, you know, to Conker's Pocket Tales, which came out earlier that year. Um, and then you kind of walked to the racing parts. And there'd be other bits. Like, you you would visit... If this was a Donkey Kong game, we would call these Kong helpers. You, you, you would visit the little houses of the Kong helpers. You would go to where the races are. There would be puzzles and mini games and what have you. But you could, you could imagine that, you know, this would be Diddy Kong walking around or Timber walking around or, or someone and the racing is is done in a top-down style similar to RC Pro-Am, which, again, is befitting mm-hmm. for Diddy Kong Racing's own origins as a spiritual successor, is once known as Pro-Am 64. So to directly go back to the um, RC Pro-Am style, uh, I, I think would be thematically appropriate for, for Diddy Kong Racing. Um, in, in the pre-Diddy version of Diddy Kong Racing the racing was actually presented to justify the RC Pro-Am lineage. The racing was presented as the characters, like Timber um, racing, remote controlled cars, planes, and hovercraft off screen. And they would have little toy versions of themselves nestled inside. So that, that was eliminated when it became Diddy Kong racing and it was the real characters within the vehicles themselves but uh, yeah, originally there was the kind of that degree of um, separation. That, and the characters, like, it wouldn't be the real Timber you're driving. It would be a toy Timber that Timber himself is controlling with a remote control. It's controller. like Smash
1: Brothers, like the original Smash or something.
0: Yeah, except, you know, Timber would be there just off screen. But um, yeah. You can definitely see, or, or you can definitely imagine. You can make-believe, you can pretend, pretend with me, Malik, how certain characters' okay, roles sure. in Mi- Mickey's racing adventure <laughs> um, could could be taken over by a counterpart from Diddy Kong Racing or the Rare Shared Universe. Um, so you're going to have to help me out with some of these names. The character Magica Dispel. Who, who's it? Yeah,
1: you got it. Yes. That's Magica
0: Dispel. She's a duck. She's from a DuckTales. She's a witch duck, right? She, Mm -hmm. she sells you magic that you can use in races. And so obviously your mind will say, Oh, that could be Tosh. If this was a Diddy Kong racing game. Um, Yeah. The, the character Ludwig von Drake, who's, I, I look this up. I say
1: Ludwig, but okay.
0: He's he's Donald Duck's scientist uncle. I I did look that up beforehand when I was doing research for this episode. Because I was like, I don't know who this is. Good, I I don't know who this is. But yeah, (laughs) Donald Duck's scientist uncle. uh, Sells you automotive upgrades and new vehicles. So, oh yeah, that that could be TT. That, That could be TT. If they were already bringing in more elements from the mainline Donkey Kong series. As they would with Donkey Kong Racing and Diddy Kong Pilot then maybe you could make the leap that uh, Magicka Dispel could be Cranky Kong, giving you potions, a la Donkey Kong 64. Funky could obviously be the mechanic. There's that possibility, too. Like, I'm not saying this would have been a one-to-one Diddy Kong racing comparison. When we saw four years later, they were already sort of um, integrating more of the core Donkey Kong cast into Diddy Kong racing games. But... Look, looking at the gameplay of this the whole style of you know you're racing cars and then when you reach water the cars magically transform into boats and then you're racing on the river uh, and then you go back and you can transform into a car when you get to the track when you when you get to land it feels very much like diddy kong racing sensibilities except pared down you you have a little bit less freedom than you would in diddy kong racing But if this was supposed to be a Diddy Kong Racing game, or if the ideas originated with a Diddy Kong Racing game, I I think you can easily see, you can easily imagine how they decided to integrate multiple vehicles in the Game Boy Color game. And it would make sense that the one vehicle type that would have probably been too much for the technology of the Game Boy Color, the plane, that would be what they would go all in on on Diddy Kong Pilot. If, if this had been Diddy Kong Racing Game Boy Color, you would have had cars and presumably the boats would have been hovercraft. Maybe they would have just been boats. But then you, you do a Game Boy Advance game and you do the one thing you couldn't on the Game Boy Color, which was fly planes. So that kind that that kind of like makes Diddy Kong Pilot make more sense to me now. Like, why why are you just going all in on this one aspect when you could easily have cars and and hovercraft? I realize like nobody likes really the hovercraft uh, in, yeah. in Diddy Kong Racing, but it's, it's still like, well, that's why we got rid of them. It, it, it's still a fun <laughs> feature. I mean, it's still it, it's still nice for the variety for the or the ability to race on water. And uh, so, yeah, like, you, you would have gotten two out of the three out of the way on this. You go all in on planes with Diddy Kong Pilot with the tilting technology, you know, that, that Rare wanted to utilize. So suddenly like that makes a yeah. lot more sense. And then with Donkey Kong Racing, they do something completely different and have you race on animals, which is just the natural idea for a Donkey Kong racing game. That evolves out of Donkey Kong Country. Just everything starts clicking. And then the
1: se- <laughs> and then the sequel to Donkey Kong Racing is just all the characters racing each other on foot. <laughs> the next natural step.
0: <laughs> that that would have been the fast and the furriest from rare, yeah. We're- you have the track and field events, but yeah, just just looking at footage and screenshots of this game, and you see little bits here and there, like all the racing in a wheat field, and there's scarecrows, and there's just uh, there, there's like covered bridges, and I, it just feels it feels like oh, I could imagine this being a Diddy Kong game for sure. If you, you strip mm-hmm. out all the Disney stuff. At the very least, the en- just blur your eyes. Yeah, the, the environments feel like they could have been at home with Diddy Kong and Conquer and and the other rare mainstays. So just imagine, if you will, a world where we got Diddy Kong Racing in nineteen ninety seven, Banjo Kazooie in nineteen ninety eight, Conker's Pocket Tales, Diddy Kong Racing for the Game Boy Color, and Donkey Kong sixty four in nineteen ninety nine. And then Donkey Kong Racing and Diddy Kong Pilot at some point after that in the early 2000s. Just, it's just that world feels so much more complete yeah. to me, Malik.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd be so much happier. I mean, I'm pretty happy as is, but I'm like, ah, oh, that sounds so good. Even as someone who wasn't really there following all that stuff at the time, I look back on on it and hear all the things that we know now and think, man just just imagine if they didn't get shackled by disney to put this thing together like we could have we could have really had something
0: <laughs> yeah m- most bankins in the chat says one of the problems i think with being strapped with making disney games with disney ip is the creative freedom to create characters story lore etc uh, being strapped with characters with an established history and having less creative freedom must have been a burden a- and yeah like that's a great great point and why naturally people at rare who so creative and so mischievous in some ways i mean look what they did with donkey kong they had the freedom to build donkey (laughs) kong's entire world and and then provide just um a loose connection to what came before Uh, but like you know they're like oh okay we're gonna kill wrinkly kong within this game
1: we're gonna make the og donkey kong old and decrepit
0: old and bitter we're gonna make him a sour old man who you have to prove Mm -hmm. wrong kill his wife kill his introduce (laughs) his wife and then kill her (laughs) you got a problem with that nintendo (laughs) well nintendo didn't because miyamoto loved it miyamoto loves cranky kong exactly Uh, it's uh, and Mm -hmm. If they had a problem with Wrinkly Kong dying, they sure didn't show it when she kept showing up as a ghost in the buyout eras. Yep,
1: they could have brought her back to life and say, oh, that didn't happen, but they kept her dead.
0: Yeah, oh. So they liked something they did with that. It, it turns out it was a near-death experience, and she went back into her body, and everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, they've retconned worse. But no, she's she's... <laughs> For less. She's too far gone at this point. You can't do it. For real. <laughs> so, yeah, like I, I look at Mickey's Racing Adventure now and I'm thinking. Oh, this could have been a Diddy Kong racing game. And and at one point, there was a Diddy Kong racing game. And again, we don't know if it was Mickey's Racing Adventure that prevented us from getting Diddy Kong Racing for the Game Boy Color. But at the very base level I think it's safe to say that the ideas that they hit upon for Diddy Kong Racing GBC eventually were resurrected from Mickey's racing adventure, which is why it does feel like the most original of the three games Rare did for Disney.
1: Yeah, like just just going off the fact that, again, like Rare always took games and then uh games that uh i'm trying to i'm trying to think of what i'm trying to say but you know what i'm trying to say where it's like oh yeah this game originally began life as this and then we had some ideas and then it completely changed so I feel I would be correct in assuming that there is some connection here and someone should bug Ed Bryan or somebody about that to see if that is the case, just to confirm it
0: 100%. I mean, Ed Bryan wasn't on this team, so it's likely that Ed Bryan only has very <laughs> limited knowledge when when it comes to this. But yeah, somewhere- He stole
1: the document from someone.
0: Somewhere out there, some, somewhere within the walls of Twycross, you know, in Manor Park, there, there exist. At the very least, ideas, sketches, concepts for Diddy Kong Racing GBC. So uh, one day we will learn more. But let's circle back around as promised. And let's go back to Dino Island, Malik. All righty. So we're not going to sit here. And relitigate the entire tortured history of Star Fox Adventures, but most okay. <laughs> I, we're, I mean, we we would be here for three to four hours, additionally to what we've already been here for. So we're not going to do it. We've oh, done, of course. we've done it on the conversation. But when you talk about Star Fox Adventures, most people only go as far back as to when the game starred the character Saber and Crystal was the co-lead because that's when the game was announced. That's that's when we knew it first in the general public and we knew it as Dinosaur Planet. And Dinosaur Planet, when it was unveiled, it struck a huge resonant chord with a certain subset of Rare fans. As I've explained before, I was excited about Dinosaur Planet, but there were others on the DK Vine staff at the time who were enraptured with Dinosaur Planet. Dinosaur Planet ticked all of the boxes in their head, same as Donkey Kong Country once did with mine. So I was was very intrigued and delighted by the existence of Dinosaur Planet, but I wasn't hanging on every word written and published about Dinosaur Planet, like others were. So, it's surprising when we found out that Dinosaur Planet wasn't even the true beginning of that game. Because it was originally conceived and envisioned by, once again, Lee Shunemun, that's, that's the that's the name to remember this episode, folks. This is the the madman behind all of this. Lee Shuneman envisioned Dinosaur Planet as a Diddy Kong Racing spinoff starring Timber the Tiger. And we already knew this. This isn't new information. Yeah. Timber, of course, for those who aren't aware, was the original protagonist of Diddy Kong Racing before it became Diddy Kong Racing. And he was shunted to uh Deuterogonist status. There there's your word for the day. Deuterogonist. Deuterogonist. That's that's the I love
1: it. Just because it says has dude in there.
0: <laughs> the second lead of a piece. The, the the second hero is the Deuterogonist. Timber was shunted to <laughs> Deuterogonous status when Diddy was added in the summer of nineteen ninety seven. So Back when the dinosaur planet ROM was leaked in early 2001, like late, late 2020, early 2021, Kev Bayless, uh, famed rare artist, current Platonic employee, co-founder of DK Creations Limited with David Wise, creator of Diddy Kong, just like, yeah, uh, the, the modern Donkey Kong design, Kev Bayless. Like Kev, Kev Bayless is instrumental in our fandom. Kev Bayless wrote an article detailing his time on Dinosaur Planet. Uh, he he wrote this article on Andy Robinson's website. Andy Robinson, take a drink. Take God, take take a, drink. a
1: shot. Uh- I can't, but you you can do it for me, Heil. Take two for me. Oh
0: no. Or take one for me. You're you're gonna you're gonna get me sloshed and I won't be able to properly talk <laughs> about Dino Island. <laughs> uh that that website, Video Game Chronicle or VGC, has a lot of uh connections with the Platonic people due to Andy Robinson having once worked at Platonic. Oh shit, I said his name again.
1: Heil sloshed Russell. Oh,
0: I had to take two because I, <laughs> it's like Beetlejuice. You, you can't say it or, or bad things will happen to you. Ah, okay. <laughs> so this is what Kev Bayless said on VGC. I'll go ahead and read this, uh, Malik, since I, I've been having you yeah, read yeah. quite a bit. Take a break. After finishing work on Diddy Kong Racing in 1998. I started work on a project that was to become a 3D adventure game based in a fantasy style world similar to that of Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, but in a prehistoric environment. The main character was originally going to be, believe it or not, Timber, the cute tiger from Diddy Kong Racing. That's because he was intended to be the star of the previous year's racing game when it was originally known as RC Pro-Am 64. However, due to a last-minute rebrand which saw Diddy take pole position as the main character, Timber had to accept second place and never really made the leading role. I wasn't too disappointed about this, to be honest, because luckily Diddy was also my character design too. In fact, I was quite excited to have a game coming out which was pretty much named after him as the main man. In Dinosaur Planet, Timber was going to be a time-traveling tiger with a rucksack, little fingerless gloves, a baseball cap, and a small dinosaur for a sidekick. After rethinking the design a little, it was decided to change Dinosaur Planet's main character to a wolf, Saber. And also to include a second playable character, Crystal, each with different abilities. At this point, there were no comparisons drawn with Fox McCloud. And it never even crossed my mind that there was already a very popular Star Fox out there in a universe of his own. So, (laughs) there had always been whispers, or, or at least for several years up until that point, there had been whispers that... Dinosaur Planet started life as a Timber game. And I, we we took it a, kind of on faith at a certain point. But I believe that was Kev right there who really laid it out and confirmed it in full for us. And so, like, that, that, that was pretty cool to know, but that brings the question to light. Well, why, why Why are we obsessing about the fact that this game was called dino island like what's the big deal we already know the juiciest bit of this story we we knew that two years ago hyle why are you talking about this well it's because the deal with dino island (laughs) 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 i don't know (laughs) you you just you you just say things you're so many of my friends I just, just break things. out impressions, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. <laughs> I can stop if you want no, me it's, to. No, it's fine. I, <laughs> I didn't invite you here not to be yourself. <laughs> okay. Well, what's the deal with Dino Island is, Malik, is that Dino Island <laughs> is a huge, huge missing piece. The missing link in evolution, if you will in understanding how Timber could have possibly started in this game. Because Timber yeah. on Dinosaur Planet never made that much sense to me. Uh, you know, like, com- completely like ignoring the time travel aspect, I just figured that the original setting wasn't actually on Dinosaur Planet. Because why mm-hmm. would Timber be going to another solar system to go to a dinosaur planet when he's got dinosaurs in his backyard.
1: Yeah. Didn't make much sense to me. Why would you willingly go to a place full of reptiles and be like the sole tiger there? They're going to eat you alive.
0: Right. Like, like I... I've got squirrels where I live. I've got squirrels everywhere. I'm lousy with squirrels, Malik. And I'm not complaining. That's not a complaint. I Mm -hmm. love a good squirrel. You know that about me. Of course. Yeah. So... That being said, I'm not going to go to Europe to look at squirrels. I'll be, <laughs> if I go to Europe and I see squirrels, I'll be like, it's a squirrel. This is delightful. But it would be silly of me to make that trip solely for squirrels. It would be silly for Timber to go to another planet solely for dinosaurs. When he could just, you know, go to Dino Domain and say... Look it
1: up on Google. Well, uh, That too. Yeah, yeah. He like <laughs> Literally,
0: he lives on an island that's like a quarter of it is populated <laughs> by dinosaurs. He could just go over and say what up to the yellow dinosaur from the beginning of Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah.
1: This is my own dinosaur planet right now.
0: But knowing that the game was originally Dino Island... Oh, it just makes so much more sense, doesn't it? And, um, yeah,
1: I'm happy with that.
0: Yeah, so so Dino Island, it actually eventually became Dinosaur Island. The name evolved, and it it kind of took on more of of a less cartoony edge throughout 1998 until it became Dinosaur Planet, and Saber took over Timber's role. Now Tricky, Tricky of course remained the core <laughs> remaining character (laughs) of Dino Island. He made it all the way from Dino Island to Star Fox Adventures. If Timber has the worst luck of the Diddy Kong Racing cast, Tricky has the best. Because, (laughs) yeah. Tricky. how? Yeah, how? How do they never rename that character? I don't know, but thankfully, thankfully for DK Vine, they didn't. we, we, We stayed with this game purely because of tricky and so so tricky's role there and this is just me speculating naked speculation i i don't have any insight i would love i would love to get lee Shuneman on the conversation lee Shuneman's a hard person to track down let me tell you but
1: you can do it if we can track down uh what's his name simon farmer for a. Metroid video for Digital you know Gaming. I think we can get Lee Shuneman.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll get him. Lee Shuneman isn't really active on social media, which is how I fostered most of my connections. But I now that I'm a full time Donkey Kong journalist, I will see what I can do. I I will work my magic. So well, I believe in you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I I can surmise at the very least that Tricky obviously would have been a part of the time travel element. And when Timber would travel back in time, there would be, I guess, a younger Tricky, the young Tricky that we eventually knew in Star Fox Adventures. So my, my theory about Dino Island is that it either takes place on a new island in the rare archipelago that Timber travels to, but it would still explain why there are dinosaurs on Timbers Island, and by extension, like later on, uh, Pterodactyl Land in Banjo Tooie, the 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 prehistoric era in Conker's Bad Fur Day, all, every instance of of dinos showing up in these games would have been explained by dino island now dino island is either a new island or it's what timber's island was in the past so timber time travels back to when it was dino island and he meets a very young tricky and tricky becomes his kind of sidekick that's that's my theory at least how this all originated Either way...
1: I like that theory. Yeah.
0: Either way, it would have been really cool to see Timber and the entire dino aspect of the early parts of Diddy Kong Racing spun off and fleshed out into their own game. Don't get me wrong. I love Star Fox Adventures. Star Fox Adventures is my 10th favorite game of all time. And again... I will take a broken bottle to the gut of anyone who dares argue with my opinion. I will make them bleed <laughs> out in the name of Star Fox Adventures. But I don't really mourn Dinosaur Planet because Star Fox Adventures is effectively Dinosaur Planet, but with crystals role reduced and a lot of the convoluted mythology like Randorn excised. But part of me can't Mm -hmm. help but feel a pang of sorrow for Dino Islands, you know? Yeah,
1: me too, because like you said about the dinosaurs, when I saw the Diddy Kong racing commercial for DS, one of the first things that they showed was a dinosaur, and I was like, is that a dinosaur? Like, Donkey Kong and dinosaurs? I didn't think that was a thing. So I'd say the dinos really stand out, so... Yeah, I I would have liked to have seen more of them.
0: Well, hey, you know we know Mario Kart Double Dash in the in the file codes. Ah, um, uh,
1: yes, of course. Diddy Kong,
0: yeah. Diddy Kong's <laughs> home track is listed as Dino Dino Jungle, and I can't help but feel that was a deliberate nod to Diddy Kong Racing.
1: <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say someone at Nintendo knew about Dino Island and really mourned it. and was like, You know what? I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna make this coded to Diddy Kong. <laughs> just because i love that little guy
0: <laughs> yeah with diddy kong racing recontextualizing both banjo and Conker as spin-off characters even though that wasn't the original intent i know mm-hmm. it, it was big whoop. it happened it big whoop it happened to deal with it fight me i don't I don't care if shiv you in the gut got this cartridge right here that's good for bashing heads it really was an idle hobby of DKU fans in the late 1990s and early 2000s to daydream about who else would receive their own game from Diddy Kong Racing. You know, it's what we did. It is what we did when when we had downtime, when we were sitting in school and we just wanted to tune out. This is where our mind would go.
1: I I thought about it too like in the 2010s like what would these guys do if they had their own game?
0: I mean yes, I, I still think about it. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I've ever stopped thinking about it, but I'm a realist at this point. I know we're not getting <laughs> a Pipsy game as much as I want an Astro Mouse game. I know we're not uh we're not getting it. It's just not gonna happen. But I can dream. Yeah. I can dream. But but back then it seemed like a real possibility that that we would get more spinoffs and I remember Tip Top was the popular choice in the Rare fandom at the time which seems silly in retrospect I don't know why everybody gravitated towards Tip Top other than he was a fun character I, I, I think it's because mm-hmm. Banjo-Kazooie gave him more prominence but I think that was Tip Top's role outside of Diddy Kong Racing was to become a minor supporting character in the Banjo-Kazooie series and that that was fine you know, um, Bumper. Yeah. Bumper has had a bit of an off screen adventure in the years since, a little bit of infamy under his name. Oh, yeah. But it really did feel like at one point we were going to get way more than that. Rare was actually on our wavelength. And we were going to get, you know, more Diddy Kong Racing characters. That Diddy Kong Racing was going to be used as an IP farm for more games. And unfortunately, that was not the case. But as it turns out, oh, it actually was what, at the very least, Lee Shuneman wanted to pursue with Timber. And once upon a time, that was going to be the case. Dino Island was the name of the game. And I can't help but yeah. regret that just a little bit. Don't get me wrong. I adore Star Fox Adventures, but part of me wants a glimpse into that world just a little bit to see what it would have felt like to yeah. have Dino Island starring Timber the Tiger and Tricky.
1: I feel like Timber has the most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, IP recognition. Like in, I, when, when I'm talking about like... Uh, diddy kong racing characters who would get a game i also have the in the back of my head it's like would these sell yeah with if you have bumper on the cover but i think timber is strong enough i
0: feel personally T- timber is essentially the face of the brand if you can't use diddy because he was the face of the brand yeah. before diddy took over and you know we we got a timber pin from from a uh, fan gamer under their rare racers line I've always thought that Rare, in in the early days of the Xbox partnership, I was like, they should do a Timber game. They they should, like, Timber is effectively Diddy Kong, who didn't have his hero arc, so let's send Timber on a hero arc and yeah. make him the Diddy Kong of the Xbox. That wasn't to be, but... <laughs> I like you know, that. You know, that, that was my frame of mind for a while, so... Ah, <sighs> Timber.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we have uh we we have two calls to take. They are from the same person and spoilers, it's from somebody <laughs> in the chat right now. Oh, I wonder who it could be. <gasps> we're we're going to play those back to back, Malik. We'll we'll talk about what they had to say and we will impart some final thoughts upon the people, upon the populace about what could have been for the DKU and what could have Ben for the Diddy Kong Racing brand alright let's play the first call and the second call
2: hey hi Al this is Fraser and this this news is amazing okay I'm sure you've gone over all the boring stuff so I'm here to make the podcast fun since this was a 1998 game and it would have started development um, before Conker's Pocket Tales for Game Boy Color came out Do you think this game would have had the rare cow, considering the rare cow was not present in the original Conker's Pocket Tales, the Game Boy, which started development in 1996 or 97? Do you think the rare cow was made because of Pocket Tales specifically having a Western area, or do you think it was something they decided on around that time, and whichever game came out first was the one that would start him? Would the Rare Cow be in Diddy Kong Racing for Game Boy Color? Also, why are games with the Rare Cow not automatically cameo games? If Donkey Kong was in a Mickey Mouse game, you would say that Mickey Mouse game was a cameo game, and the Rare Cow is just as important. So why are the two Game Boy Color games and Perfect... Sorry, why are the two Mickey Mouse Game Boy Color games and Perfect Dark for Game Boy Color? Why are those not cameo games, since the rare cow is natively DKU? Please change these rules for me, please. Hey, it's me again, uh freezer Kyle, I just realized something I have to say before you weasel your way out of this. The Mickey Mouse games have actual live rare cows. They're not drawings. They're not graffiti. They are actual physical cows. And the one on the space level, which I believe is shaped like a rare cow, even looks identical to the ones from pocket taps. Except he's wearing a astronaut helmet or something. So you need to explain this to me right now, Heil. Please. Make them DKU. And you can't use that you can't use that um the rule you can't say something BS like The the rare cow has Mickey Mouse stuff in it, so they can't be DKU. That is revisionist future history. If you discovered the rare cow in 1998 and cared about him like you should have, you would have started the timeline then, and you you can't use revisionist history. The rare cow is DKU. He is a main character of this franchise. He is our Royston, but a cow.
1: Well, okay, then.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Explain, Hyle. I knew the rare cow was coming up. It was inevitable the second we evoked the name of Mickey's Racing Adventure. And, okay, Malik, I feel like Mm -hmm. we have to explain the rare cow every time the damn rare cow comes up. Do you do you know the <laughs> I understand. Do you know the rare cow? You do you, you understand the rare cow? I do understand the rare cow. Can you ex- I do. can you explain the rare cow for those who may not be familiar?
1: Okay, so I'm pretty sure the rare cow shows up in every one of uh rare's Game Boy Color games somewhere uh like in the background. I think in Donkey Kong Country on Game Boy Color, uh, the rare cow is in Slip, Slide, Ride in the background. Uh, Conker's Pocket Tails has one. Perfect Dark has one. And, yeah, it's just a weird-looking cow with, like, a, th- a ring, a nose ring, I think. Or maybe that's his nose. But, <laughs> yeah, that is the rare cow.
0: And Freezer wants you to know three of the Game Boy Advance games as well.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Uh... I, I guess I forgot about that one.
0: <laughs> uh, Gr- Grunty's Revenge. Uh, there's a little um, sand etching of the rare cow in Spiller's Harbor. Um, Saberwolf for the Game Boy Advance. Um, the, the mayor of um, Black Witch Village keeps a cow costume in his office because uh, he's a pervert, apparently. And you you have to mm-hmm. steal it. To give to Captain Fingers of the HMS Bubbler <clears throat> because Captain Fingers needs a costume for a costume party, and it and it, it looks like the rare cow, and um, it's Mister Pants. There, there's a there's a bunch of rare cows in that as well.
1: <laughs> um, I'm looking at the site on Rare Gamer. Rare, all all yes. the cows have been documented.
0: Ra- rare Gamer loves the rare cow, and look. Look, Freezer, I understand your concerns. <laughs> They're well noted. I've heard them before from advocates, fr- from from people who don't just love the rare cow, but they love Mickey Mouse. They love Donald Duck, and they wanted nothing more than for Mickey's Racing Adventure to be DKU. Our stance at DK Vine, though, is that the rare cow is a species of animal. They're cows. And we can't define the rare cow as a singular character like we can Royston the goldfish. And that is the biggest reason why we can't <laughs> say with utmost certainty that the rare cows in Mickey's Racing Adventure are the same rare cows as seen in Vultureville and Conquer's Pocket Tales. See what I'm saying here? Yeah, they
1: have different colorations.
0: So, I, I do register your concerns, and I will put them in, in, in my to-do basket of, well, we need to reassess this. We need to have a tribunal episode at some point to relitigate Mickey's Racing Adventure. But until that point happens, I can't say that it's DKU. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But look. You got wolf in there. Eventually, who knows? Who knows? (laughs) Yeah, never say never. What a weird life I live.
1: You chose this path, Hyle. No. The Donkey Kong Journalist (laughs) path chose It chose you. Yes. (laughs) I knew that's what you were going to say.
0: And as someone who does do this for a living... Like I said, I I could probably talk about this for hours, even if we didn't go down the rabbit hole of of Dino Island becoming Dinosaur Planet, becoming Star Fox Adventures, Dinosaur Planet becoming Star Fox Adventures. I I could just sit here and talk about the possibilities for Diddy Kong Racing Game Boy Color, you know, until I, I pass out slumped over in my chair. And I'm sure I will talk about it, More in the future as i suss out more information on diddy kong racing gbc as i as i squeeze it dry you know any information i can from that sopping rag somewhere in manor park who knows how many more Mm -hmm. leaks we'll get who knows how much more we'll get concerning dino island in the years to come i'm excited about this every time you think you've said everything you can possibly say about this era new information comes to light and you're back at it i love it but the notion of a diddy kong racing sequel is well and truly cursed what 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 can i say at this point it's become a running joke in the fandom how diddy kong racing monkey's paw Mon- monkeys <laughs> yeah monkey's paw like oh wouldn't it be great if diddy kong got his own game just completely separate from Donkey Kong and it was one of the greatest games ever made and then the monkey's paw curls and you get the prosthetic it
1: prosthetic golfing finger curls
0: <laughs> and you get it but but the, the joke is you you can never get another one you're just left wanting more this insatiable thirst that can never be quenched but I'm such an advocate for Diddy Kong Racing, not just because I love it so much and it's so core to my fandom, but because the very importance of Diddy Kong Racing, which we hold to be the biblical truth at DK Vine, it <laughs> has been challenged in recent years by younger fans. Um, How dare they? <laughs> and I, I, I don't mean all younger fans. This is not me being a, a fucking boomer here. Or, you know, in my case, an older <laughs> millennial who's like, you know, damn Gen Z doesn't understand Diddy Kong racing. Because that's not true. There are plenty uh, of fans of all ages who have researched and, and looked this up and, and know the history and live and breathe it same as me. Um. And I I love that, and I welcome it. Welcome. Welcome, youth. But (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) the the truth is, I don't really hold it against the the younger folk of the, the GameCube and the Wii generations who don't recognize or understand Diddy Kong Racing's importance. Because if you weren't around for it back in the day, it is a bit hard to study up on it. It's it's not a game that Nintendo celebrates. Because it's not technically a Nintendo game. It's a Rare game. Rare owns much of the IP of Diddy Kong Racing. And it's not a game that Rare talks up. Because the name, the trademark, and the lead character are owned by Nintendo. So you get this very horrible state of affairs where... The very notion of the DKU, which is laid out in Diddy Kong Racing and its supplementary materials, is sometimes questioned. Because, oh, Diddy Kong Racing? Yeah, I heard about that. That was just a, a game where Rare crossed over their franchises, right? It, it was it was a mm-hmm. guest appearance by Banjo and Conker, right? You can't say that Banjo and Conker are, are Donkey Kong characters because of that, because that would be like saying Link is a Mario character because he's in Mario Kart 8.
1: <sighs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what these people should do. They should look up I did I I wrote a digital you know gaming like 4 years ago <laughs> and I bring up the fact that Donkey Kong and Banjo are connected. So you can go look at that if you haven't had enough of DK Vine. But uh yeah, just wanted to say my piece on that. <laughs> M-
0: Malik, you have always been a champion and a warrior for the cause. I I <laughs> I, I I would never <laughs> question uh, your your faith when it, when it comes to this, but yeah, th- this is something I run into quite a bit when when promoting my wares. They're like, wait, why, why are you talking about banjo? Your Donkey Kong website. Like I said, my my favorite thing is when people come after me. Banjo Kazooie fans, younger Banjo Kazooie fans who don't acknowledge this, they come after me and they're like, Donkey Kong sixty four sucks compared to Banjo Kazooie. Like, yeah, you are like, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I know. Banjo-Kazooie is <laughs> my third favorite game of all time. Like, what What are you trying to do to me? Because it's not working.
1: So, yeah, it must be a day in- that ends in Y.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think Donkey Kong 64 has a lot of fun ideas. It's just cohesive whole... N- n- no. Yeah, but yeah, it's a um, crazy. It's not something I can necessarily fault them with because not everybody can be an expert in every field and every fandom Unless this really strikes your fancy, you're not going to go all in. So I, I get it, but part of the reason there is that confusion is because neither company can really talk about Diddy Kong Racing all that much. They they can both acknowledge it, like Diddy Kong Racing was acknowledged in Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, you know, and Nintendo acknowledged it when Banjo and Kazooie got into super smash brothers and you know sometimes they'll there will be illusions that oh diddy kong loves racing and maybe they're talking about mario kart it shows up
1: yeah I, I was just gonna say it also shows up in the chronicle and like smash brothers brawl like
0: the name yeah yeah diddy kong racing and and again like both studios both companies can reference it um But they they can't really celebrate and honor it as it should be honored. So, you know, if you only know vaguely of Diddy Kong Racing and, like, the trivia that Banjo and Conker were in it, and you don't realize that it was their debut and that they're both formally introduced as part of Donkey Kong's world and that there's all this backstory about Conker being an old friend of, of Diddy Kong... And, and banjo, and and that they they met each other when Donkey and Diddy were exploring the rare archipelago, and Diddy sent squawks to recruit Banjo and conquer, and just all this all this fun little lore. If you don't know that, and then yeah, you're you're just not gonna see it. You're you're not gonna believe it. It 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 won't really feel authentic to you if you weren't around for it or you're not well read on the backstory and and then yeah fr- from there we got you know threads from Diddy Kong Racing that were woven albeit lightly woven into Banjo-Kazooie and Conquerors Pocket Tales you know you had Tip becoming a reoccurring Banjo-Kazooie character you had the character of Naughty in Banjo-Kazooie you had Armies showing up in Conker's Pocket Tales um among other things and that's that's all well and good but the dku is real my friends and it was very real at this time at rare the shared rare universe is something that is still acknowledged today um even with games like modern rares sea of thieves and platonic's ukulele and impossible air they both have fun acknowledging the concept here or there. Even Nintendo, mm-hmm. even Nintendo went all out with it, with Banjo and Kazooie smash reveal, uh, with, with that trailer that just fully embraced the notion Malik, I will never forget your reaction video to it where th- yeah. that, that was what you were shouting out is your, when you were trying, you were trying to get it out. But you, of course the excitement had just taken you completely. But,
1: yeah. it just taken us over. It's like, ah, yeah.
0: <gasps> He's like, he's like they, they acknowledged it the, the, the connection it's like the connection if
1: <laughs> look at that i was like oh my goodness and
0: i said dk vine is
1: losing their minds you did.
0: and you I, were i i appreciated the shout because we were recording our own reaction video at the same time and um mm-hmm. we were crying and clutching each other and <laughs> just
1: slapping the ground
0: yeah <laughs> jeff looked at the camera like jim halpert from the office i think that <laughs> what what really makes your reaction video so great is right before it you you muttered Why does Nintendo hate Donkey Kong?
1: Yep. Yeah, that was my brother. He was like, Why do oh. you guys hate Donkey Kong?
0: Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it it was, yeah, just a funny little You couldn't have yeah. Yeah.
1: You couldn't write this stuff.
0: <laughs> but yeah, like we we had all of that keeping the concept of the DKU alive, but I do think, even though I want, I want it all, Malik. I I want a shared universe that's celebrated, even with this division between the companies. Like I said on social media the other day, that the DKU is split between three companies, and I think that's actually part of the concept's durability. Weirdly enough, is that you know it doesn't have to be tightly intertwined. You know I I just read there mm-hmm. there's a big news article in Variety um about Marvel Studios issues that they're currently having um keep keeping people engaged with the Marvel Cinematic Universe going on 15 years into its run you know they've got myriad of movies TV shows and it's just burning some people out. The general populace is starting to check out a little bit. I, I'm still enjoying quite a bit of it. Not Secret Invasion, that sucked. But I, I, I still generally <laughs> enjoy the MCU. And I think it's just a, a phenomenal thing that they're able to juggle, keeping a shared universe going this long with very few inconsistencies. But it does yeah. burn people out. It it does put people out. Like I think people hit that point with endgame with with the first part of the story really ending and they were like well i'm good that that's the end right and marvel is like no now we're starting this whole new saga about the multiverse and i think mm-hmm. it was just too much especially when like covid had that break in, in productions and people just gravitated to other stuff but that's that's part of the reason why the dku has endured for 29 years since Donkey Kong Country and 26 years since Diddy Kong Racing, it's because well, Banjo Kazooie games they they can and do acknowledge Donkey Kong or or Conquer or or later things like Grab by the Ghoulies. but it doesn't make any of that stuff a barrier of entry to truly enjoy it. It's just texture for the hardcore fans. We can play a Donkey Kong yeah. game uh, without really needing to know what's going on with Diddy's old squirrel friend. Or, or how tricky from Diddy Kong Racing was retconned into an extraterrestrial from the planet Saria. Like, that, that stuff doesn't matter when you're playing the newest Donkey Kong game. And I think that would have still been the modus operandi of Rare, even in this alternate timeline where they could follow up Diddy Kong Racing with immediate sequels, handheld or console, and we got more spin-offs like starring Timber the Tiger. But can you just imagine, even if it isn't good for its long-term health, a DKU that kept <laughs> the momentum coming out of Diddy Kong Racing, an alternate timeline, a what-if, if you will, of constant Like Marvel's what if like Marvel's What If that <laughs> burn people out and they're like what now I have to <laughs> now now I have to like watch these stories about alternate timelines where bad stuff happened to the characters I like. No thanks but yeah a what if of constant new entries and spin-offs. Of more direct cause and effect than just Royston showing up in the background of games and people calling in, asking why the rare cow doesn't automatically make something DKU. Uh, of yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> of Diddy Kong Racers getting their own games, and then characters introduced in those games potentially getting spinoffs as well. Just, just a never-ending snowball rolling down the hill. Those snowballs with googly eyes from Diddy Kong Racing, Malik. Oh, my God. And that's on top of new Diddy Kong racing games every couple of years. (gasps) 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 (sighs) (sighs) That would be amazing. Feeling the vapors now. I like that idea. I like it, too. Mercy, mercy. That's what I imagined the day I learned of Diddy Kong racing. And the concept of the Donkey Kong universe struck me like a bolt of lightning. And I was freaking out my friend Elliot just going on about all the possibilities. And he was just like... I think I want to find new friends now.
1: <laughs> so that, that lightning struck you a bit too hard, Heil.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's the day I became a budding Donkey Kong journalist. But you know th- I wouldn't want it any other way. <laughs> no, I I'm I'm content with how my life shook out, but as much as I want that, we, we talk about like the Marvel cinematic universe showing that that is a finite resource right eventually that only goes so far before the public can't take it anymore and this is before shared universes were part and parcel with the language of entertainment like it, it was still a very niche thing it was something within the realms of comic books and those who paid attention to old sitcoms but other than that no, nobody was talking about shared universes but the model would have, and, and Disney, Disney had them too. D- the Disney, their, yeah, Disney, and especially their Duck verse. But even then, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's still not something they came out and said, "This is the Disney shared universe," right? It yeah wasn't like after Marvel where everybody wanted their own shared universe, the Dark Universe. We're gonna we're gonna revive Universal monsters, and and we're gonna, <laughs> yeah, there's one movie, and then it fell apart, but. The, the model would have been unsustainable for Rare even ignoring how people get burned out on obvious shared universes because even in this glorious timeline where we got Dino Island and Diddy Kong Racing for the Game Boy Color they would have still run into the same problems that our Rare did namely modern game development putting a shiv, and not my broken bottle, but just
2: a yeah. deadly
0: dagger to their way of doing things in the 1990s that brought them so much fame, so much fortune, so much success. But eventually, they they just struggled trying to keep up that pace when game development changed, uh, coupled with Nintendo not purchasing them and them struggling to find. An audience on the Xbox when separated from their built in base. So, people lament, I lament, I just lamented today that we haven't had a new Banjo Kazooie game for 15 years. But could you imagine having to also compete with other viable IPs like Dino Island? Oh, we haven't had a Banjo kazooie game in fifteen years. Well, big deal. We haven't had a Dino Island game in 17 years. Oh yeah, well how come how come <laughs> they haven't done the drumstick sequel that we were all clamoring for? Drumstick 64 was a brilliant game. Oh fuck you. Fuck you. I wanted I wanted Astro Mouse. Much of a good thing. Yeah, yeah. We would have torn each other <laughs> apart like hyenas. But oh man, what a glorious thing. What, 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 a, what a wonderful downfall that would have been for our fandom to at least have had... It's like crack. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> do not do crack.
0: But in the meantime... in the me- I won't, Malik, don't worry. In the meantime, in this fractured and broken present day, I am still holding out hope that the legacy of Didi Kong Racing can continue in some way. I, after all, I'm still holding out hope that TT will formally appear in the current build of Sea of Thieves as a ship trinket, therefore keeping the flame of Diddy Kong Racing burning and bright.
1: I hope that happens, Hile. just to make you happy at the very least.
0: C- of course, Sea of Thieves is a, is a game that has seen significant resources and development time devoted to Disney characters. So
2: (sighs) this has been a File Two production.